This week we continued our series entitled Walk This Way, in which we look at the life of Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, and we know that if we are to be disciples of Jesus Christ, we are called to walk this way, in the way of Jesus Christ. Over the past few weeks, we've looked at Mary and Joseph and the birth of Jesus. We've looked at the temptation of Christ. We've looked at shifting our culture to a culture that is not judgmental of persons that have temptations and struggles but it's open and honest with our own. And last week, we looked at the idea that we are called to repent, which is more than just a change of action, but it is a realization of who we are and a change of, and a looking at our true identity. And this week, we are looking at communion, but a bit differently than just walking through the communion story. It does begin with Matthew 26, verse 17. It says, on the first day of the unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where do you want us to make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? And we look at the idea of what is the Passover? And we start talking about traditions and family traditions that we have at holidays and such, whether it's when you open your Christmas gifts or who comes for Thanksgiving or who gets the biggest piece of turkey or whatever it may be. All of those traditions. And the Passover is ultimately the longest running family tradition of all time. It's been going for, almost, for just over 3,000 years, which comparatively, Thanksgiving is at roughly 400 years. And it's a way that the Israelites remember God's promises and provisions. If you go look at Exodus 9 through 14, they were slaves in Egypt and God brought them out. And this is ultimately part of the basis, and, and, and it's the beginning for where we see what we know to be the Last Supper. It is a meal to remember God's promises and provisions. That is what communion is. That is what the Passover is. There are some differences. If you look at what the Passover is, they have, and the things that they have at that meal, they have things like a lamb shank bone, which is a reminder of the lamb that was sacrificed for the blood over the door to be saved. You've got parsley and salt water where they would take the parsley and dip it into the salt water to remind them of the tears of the slavery of the slaves, rather, and parsley which was to represent new life that came from that. Um, an applesauce substance, which is more like a stewed apples and spices and such, to remind them of the mortar used to build things for the Egyptians. They had an egg, which represents new life or the circle of life, which is why we use eggs for Easter as well. Um, they had horseradish, which I love horseradish, but I can't imagine doing it to the extent that they did because what they would do is they would take the unleavened bread and they would eat so much horseradish that their eyes would begin to water to remember how bitter slavery was. And remember that the bread was unleavened because it represents they had to run. Be, uh, that while they were being freed, they didn't have time to allow the bread to rise. And they had four cups of wine. Now you may be asking yourself, why four cups? And the four cups was to represent the four promises. Promise number one, I will bring you out. Promise number two, I will deliver you from slavery. Promise number three, I will redeem you with my outstretched arms. Promise number four, I will take you to be my people. And so each time they would drink from one of these cups, they would remember these promises. And as they would go through the meal, they would be sipping from the cups. And now this is a three-hour meal, and we're not going to go through the totality of the Passover meal. Um, but there was a lot of call and response and remembrance. And part of it was the dainu which can also be translated to, it would be enough. And the way that would go would say, would, would be, the leader would say things like, 
if he had taken us out of Egypt and had not made judgments on them, and the, audience, and the people at the table would say, it would be enough. If he had given us their wealth and not split the sea for us, it would be enough. If he had pushed down our enemies in the sea and not supplied our needs in the wilderness for 40 years, it would be enough. If he had fed us the manna and not given us the Sabbath, it would be enough. If he had brought us into Israel and not built us the temple, it would be enough. And this went on and on. This is just a portion of what that would look like. But imagine that you're Jesus and you hear over and over your disciples saying, it would have been enough. And, and, and I can imagine that Jesus begins to go, well, then why am I here? Because every time they would say it would be enough, Jesus has to be sitting there going, but it was not enough. It was not enough. Because Jesus knows None of this would ever be enough. And in the next few hours, something is going to shift for it to finally be enough. And that the shift begins to take place uh, as we look at this. We know that at the end of the Passover, they would close the meal by breaking the bread and saying a closing prayer. But Jesus, because, you know, I feel like that's pretty much the summation of the Gospels, but Jesus. But in Matthew 26, 26, Jesus, when he breaks the bread, says, while they, it says, while they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of the bread, and after blessing it, gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And, and what Jesus is pointing them to is the final dianu. He's saying, this is enough. The final, it is enough. And this is not a depiction of what you take with you, but whether who you take with you. Jesus is saying, this is not something that you take with you at the end, but it's who you're taking with you, which is me. And he continued in Matthew 26, verses 27 through 28, because he took a cup in mind, and this is what's so interesting to me. Well, let me finish. He says, after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood, the new covenant, which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. And now this cup would have been the third cup. And if we recall correctly, the third cup is the one that reminds us of the promise that I will redeem you with my outstretched arms. So Jesus, as he's saying, this is my blood shed for you, is telling them, I'm the one that will redeem you with my outstretched arms. And he is foreshadowing all that is to happen. How beautiful is that? He's saying, I will redeem you. And, and he's reminding them that as they drink this third cup, and they know that promise from God. He's saying, I am the fulfilling of that third promise. And then in verse 29, he says, I tell you, I will never again drink from drink of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new with you in my father's kingdom which reminds us of promise four, I will take you to be my people. He's saying that when the, when the fourth cup, when that fourth promise is fulfilled is when I will drink of the fourth cup. When you are my people. And so this is what we do in communion. Is we remember God's provision and promises. That God has redeemed us. That God has made us whole. That God has delivered us out of slavery. That God has 
will take us to be his people. And the, big, and the greatest promise that he ever gave is, best of all, is that God is with us now and forever. Amen and amen.